are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. My dad used to have this little joke that he would say, and, and it was something like this. Um, he would ask a question, and he would say, so which man is most content, a man with ten kids or a man with ten million dollars? And so usually nobody really answered his question. And then he would say, the man who is most content is the man with ten kids. Do you know why? And they would say, why? And my dad would say, because he doesn't want any more. He's got enough. <laughs> and then my dad would say, but the man with ten million dollars is always going to want just a little bit more. So, I don't know if you're one of those people who write things down or not, but if you write things down, you might want to write this down, okay? When it comes to money and stuff that money can buy, okay? When it comes to money and stuff that money can buy, having more does not make one content. So when it comes to money and stuff that money can buy, having more does not make one content. Instead, it makes one want more. So when it comes to money and stuff that money can buy, having more does not make one content. Instead, it makes one want more. I had this conversation with a guy, and he said to me in the conversation, Everybody that works to me makes over a million dollars a year. So no, I don't know if there's anybody here that makes a million bucks a year. But to me, that would be a lot of money to make in a year. And so he says, everybody that works for me makes a million dollars a year or more. All of my directs make that much money. And he said, we're in sales, and so I'm always trying to motivate them to sell more. And so I said to him, Steve, tell me something. A person who makes a million dollars a year, can you motivate them with money? Does money even work? And, and we're playing golf. We're in a car together. He looks over me with a slight grin as if, are you serious? And he says, everybody always wants a little more. So you're making a million bucks a year and money becomes a huge motivator because Steve says, everybody wants a little more. So sometimes I meet with young couples and they say, Pastor Rick, we're just trying to make it, you know, financially. We got married and we're trying to work things out. We're working and all this kind of stuff. But if we just made a little bit more, then we would be okay financially. But what happens when you make a little bit more? Then you say, well, if we make a little more, then we can have a little bigger and we can have a little better and we can have a little newer. And then you find yourself saying, so if we could just make a little bit more, then we would be okay again. But when you get a little more, you buy a little bigger and a little better and a little newer. And before long, you find yourself saying, if we could just make a little bit more. So here's the deal. If having more does not bring about contentment, what does? Is there any way that it could be the opposite? Could it be by having less? So we're in this series called A Simple Challenge. And the idea is that we would simplify, that we would reduce stuff 
from our schedules and stuff from our lives like material things? And what if we began to make room in our lives for a deeper relationship with God because right now we struggle because although we want a deeper relationship with God, there's so much stuff in my schedule and there's so much stuff in my life that I can't move the stuff around and move things over so that I can actually make time for my relationship with God. We are so busy. And so what if less was really more? So I want to take you to the New Testament and talk to you about a guy who found contentment, but you might be surprised where he finds it. His name is Paul, and he is writing in the letter to the Philippians, okay? We're going to be in chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading in verse 10. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, very near the end of your Bible, one of the small, short letters that Paul writes to one of the churches. And he's writing to the church in Philippi. Does anybody know where he is when he writes the letter to the Philippians? So just kind of shout it out if you know. Does anybody know where he was? He was in prison. Very good. He was in prison and he was actually in the situation where from prison he writes back to a group of people where he planted a church. So he goes to Philippi. There's no church there. And so he has some converts. Now we have a guy whose name is Chris Pollock who attends church here. And he's one of our pastors and he feels a call to plant a church down in Midtown. In fact, tonight at 5 o'clock, near 13th and Classen at City Press, they will be having one of their services. Once a month they have what they call a preview service. Starting in October they'll have service every week, but right now it's just once a month. And if you want to go, you'd be welcome to go. They would love to have you there. They love it when BFC people, BFC people come and support and encourage and pray for and all those kinds of things. And just attend. So if you want to go 5 o'clock, some of you have been saying, yeah, I've been hearing about us planting this church. Uh, maybe I should check it out. You should check it out tonight. They would love to have you there. They have about 100 people who have said, we'll be part of the core team of starting this church. And some of them are really, really, really sharp people. And some of them, not so much. You know what I mean? No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> They're all great people. So they got this group of people. Paul is planting a church in Philippi. L- listen to his core team. Are you ready? Chris has got like 100 great people. Paul's got a lady named Lydia that he met, and she becomes a Christian, and her family gets saved. There's another girl who was a fortune teller girl who was a slave, basically. People were making money because she could tell people's fortunes. Paul cast the demon out of her, which tells you something. You should not be calling people who claim to tell fortunes because the power of that is evil, unless it's just an all-out scam. So you don't want to open your life to the enemy, right? She gets saved. She's on the core team. And then a jailer. In those days, jailers were really bad dudes. I mean, these were bad people. He gets saved in his family. And so that's his core team. That's the team he has to put on the field. And that's it. That's all he's got. And that's how he plants a church. So he's out there and he's planting this church. And then he leaves to go plant other churches. And years later from prison, he writes them. And at the end of a letter, he wants to thank them for this gift that they've given him. This great financial gift. So here we go. Ready? Verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. And then it's almost like he catches himself and says, Oh, no, 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 indeed, you were concerned, uh, but you just didn't have the opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. And and I just want to, I'm sorry I'm running a lot of commentary while I'm reading, but really, Paul, you're not in need? Are you serious when you say you're not in need? I mean, I think you're in need. If any of us looked at his situation, we would say he's in need. But listen to what he says. 
For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. That's why I'm not in need. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. So this is God's Word for us today, okay? Um, I want to put a verse of Scripture on the board. It comes from the book of Proverbs, written by a guy whose name is Agar. And this is the prayer that he prays, okay? So just look at the prayer. And what I want to ask you is, are you okay praying this prayer? Are you comfortable with this? Is this a prayer that you could see yourself praying on like a regular basis? Give me neither poverty. So far, I am good. I do not want to be poor. Everybody else on board with me? At this point, are we 100%? Don't give me poverty. Give me neither poverty. God, whatever you do, don't make me a poor person, please. I don't want to be poor. Give me neither poverty nor riches. God, whatever you do, I'm begging you, man, don't make me rich. I mean, this is in the Bible, okay? I mean, God, have mercy on me. Look at me, Lord. Please have grace on my life and do not make me a rich man. Please, Jesus, don't let that happen. Give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much. And if I have too much, I may disown you. And I may one day say, who is the Lord? I don't remember. And he goes on to say, but if I become poor, I may be tempted to steal and dishonor your name. So don't give me poverty and don't give me riches. Just give me daily bread for today. See, one of the problems with this series, in my mind, is that it is so difficult for us when we talk about simplicity to grasp this idea. It is so countercultural Because our world says... No, you want to be rich. Being rich is the best thing. It's it's option one. It's position A. It's, It's what you always want. You want to be rich. Don't ever think that you don't want to be rich. The more money, the better off you are. The bigger, the better, the newer. That's what everybody desires. You want to be rich. And there's a problem with that kind of thinking. And the problem is, is that the temptation is, is to worship money and to be loyal to money and for our allegiance to be to money and all the stuff that money buys. And to not be loyal and to not have our allegiance and our worship directed only to God. And here's the other struggle. We become slaves to making money. That becomes the most important thing. That becomes the center of life. And when we're slaves to making money, we are not slaves to God. So I think Paul has a lot to say to us about this. So let's, let's just kind of look together a little bit. He's in Ephesus. He's in prison. According to Acts chapter 28, he is able to rent a house and he has a prison guard guarding him from there. So he's not in a dungeon like you think of ancient world prisons. He's in a rental house. So don't let the house, word house, uh, fool you. I I can't imagine what he was able to rent. It wasn't like some palace with servants and all that kind of stuff. 
it was no doubt a dump, and that's where he was living, but that's all he could afford to rent because he has no income whatsoever. He's only depending on his friends to help him have food to eat and somewhere to live. That's it. That's all he's got, and meet basic hygiene needs. That's what he's got. And so one day, a guy named Epaphroditus comes. So Paul could have visitors, um, but he couldn't leave. That's the way prisons work, by the way. You can have people come and see you, but you don't get to go. So that's how it works. So he, he's in prison, and he has visitors coming to see him. And one day, a guy named Epaphroditus comes. Now, I've, like, dedicated lots of babies and gone to hospitals and seen lots of babies. And had lots of people come up and say, Pastor, we got a new baby. But I've never had one say, and we're going to call him Epaphroditus. I'm waiting for that, and I think eventually that will happen. But to this point, it hasn't happened. But this guy, Epaphroditus, comes to visit Paul in prison, and he comes with a report from the church at Philippi. How's it going in Philippi? And Epaphroditus says, Paul, it is hard right now. Persecution is pretty tough because of our faith. I mean, we're getting it on every side right now. Poverty is overwhelming among our people. It's rough. But we're not about money. We're about sharing the gospel, and that is going extremely well, and so life is really good in Philippi. But what the church does is says, you're the guy who came first to tell us about Jesus. We'll never forget you. And so they sent me, Paul, to bring this to you. And, well, this is, this is what we had to give, and so this is a gift for you. And he hands him a lot of money. Now, these are people who are in the midst of their own persecution and their own poverty, have very little to give, but out of the very little they have to give, they want to give Paul an offering because they know that he has to pay rent and he has to eat and he has basic hygiene needs. And we want to do something for you, Paul, because you're the one who brought Jesus to us. So here, we want you to take this. This is from us. Have it. And so Paul is overwhelmed. And I read to you a moment ago where he says, I greatly rejoice... In your renewed concern for me. Not that you weren't concerned, but you just didn't have the opportunity. The Greek word is kairos, which means a season. You went through a season of your life where you didn't have any money to share. But now you have some money, and look at you. Because you do, you're sharing it with me, and I'm, I'm really grateful. And then he says something really odd, really weird, really strange. Not that I have any need. Well, you're in prison, you have to rent a house, you have to eat, you have basic hygiene needs to meet and you don't have any way of making any money, I think you have need. Paul says, it's not like that. But my God will supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. So I don't really depend on money or think about it that way. I remember as a young pastor, I went to hear a guy preach. And he was kind of big time. I knew a little bit about him. And he said in the middle of a sermon, but you have to remember, I'm not motivated by money. I really wanted to believe him. But I knew a couple of things that he drove and I'd I'd seen the house that he lived in. And I knew about some hobbies that he had, and he spent a lot of money. It took a lot of money just to finance his stuff. And I really wanted to believe what he was saying. I wanted to embrace what he was saying, but I was really struggling to believe it. 
But you know what Paul is really saying? Paul is really saying, I'm not motivated by money. Not only am I not motivated by money, I don't depend on money. That's not where my hope is. I, I, don't, I don't depend on that stuff. So, how do you live your life not motivated by or depending on money? So we'll, we'll dig a little deeper here, okay, and see what we can learn. I uh, got home from Swaziland, a small country in southern Africa in March. And I talked to you a little bit about a child development center that we were starting. We're trying to start more of those because needs for children in Swaziland are overwhelming. So when I use the word center, if you get in your mind this picture of this great center, no, it's, it's this little rented building because we don't have a church in the area, but we're going to try to get a church in the area. And so that's where it's happening right now. There's a couple of hundred kids that show up every day. Here, here's a couple of the little girls that I snapped a picture of. So I've seen poverty in Swaziland, but I saw it here more than I'd seen it anywhere except a little camp where they work in the sugar cane fields. So these two places. So in the next picture, these kids are standing in line. And on the right of the screen, that's a... That's a little kitchen, which is typical. It's just a little round building built away from the other building by itself. But they build fire in there and breathe in a lot of smoke, honestly, and, and they cook food. So it's raining right there in the picture. And those kids are standing in line in the rain. And when you get to the end of the line, to the front of the line, there's two pots. And in one pot, there's some beans. And in another pot, there's rice. And if you'll stand in that line in the rain, when you finally get to the front of the line, they'll put on your plate, just like that, some of those beans and some of that rice. There's about 200 kids there. So, one thing that I was very thankful for, you as a church, because the reason they have beans and rice to give away is because you buy it. This is in your missions giving through this local church as you give. That's, that's where the beans and the rice come from. The next picture was a precious picture to me, and it's something that I think I'll always keep close. But my friend Preston took a picture of a little boy who just found a quiet place to sit down and eat his rice and beans. So they live without the comforts of life. I was standing there that day watching those kids stand in the line and I tried to imagine myself saying to my daughter Morgan, Morgan, if you'll go out there and stand in that line in the rain, when you get to the front of the line, they'll put some rice and some beans in your bowl. You'll have something to eat. It was more foreign to me than I could even imagine ever saying to my kid, 
Come on, Rick, why are you doing this to us this morning? I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, I promise you. I just have to help you understand Paul's position. And I don't know how else to do it, maybe, than to tell you a story about Swaziland. Because Paul says, I've learned to live without the comforts of life. And when he said, without the comforts of life, he really meant without the comforts of life. If you know his story, you know that he went through a lot of stuff. He says, I was beaten with rods like five times. Like where men have rods and they're beating me with them. I was whipped. 39 lashes, more than once. That means a person with a whip, whipping him across his back. I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to have nothing to eat. I know what it is to be in want, and I know what it is to be well fed. I know what it is to be in pain and suffering, to be beaten up, to be whipped and left for dead. I understand all of those things. I know what it is to live without comforts in this world. But I found something on that path. And you might be surprised what I found. Paul says, who would have thought I found contentment there? But our world says, no, 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 no. (laughs) Contentment is when it's newer and it's bigger and it's better. And Paul scratches his head and says, sorry, not my experience. I had more when I had less. What a different way to think. I think I lost my place. Talked to a guy to go on a mission trip once. His name was Bill. So, because I kind of pushed him into it, I felt a little more responsibility when he got back home to check and see how it went. And so I called him. You're home. Yep. How'd it go? He couldn't say enough, but one of the stories he told me was about going into a little village. He said, we erected one of those prefab structures. Yeah, I've done it many times. Poorest people I've ever seen in my life, he said. Spent the whole day with them. We worked beside each other. We ate together. We worshipped together. We laughed. We sung. We prayed. He said, I walked away saying to myself, they might be the most joyful people I've ever known in my life. And he said, they literally prayed in every meal. You see, what Paul is saying is that I refuse to live my life based on the daily changing circumstances that I might face. And so my joy and my state of mind is not subject to my circumstances. (laughs) I will reach higher than that. I will live bigger than that. So my joy and my state of mind is not determined by my daily changing set of circumstances. No, sir. I have found that there is contentment when you have little and when life is hard and when things aren't going well. And I've learned that you can have contentment when life is really good and you're on top. And that's how I choose to live. So what's the secret? He said, I've learned the secret. He says, it's in Christ. 
I'm not looking for my contentment in money. I'm looking for my contentment in Jesus. And He gives me this strength. He infuses power in me, literally, to live this life this way. See, the, the, the reason we're here is because we're on a journey together as a church. And, and, and Jesus understands that money has this divine desire to become God in your life. You can't serve two masters, he says. You can't serve both God and money. And the reason we're here is because we want to be a church that is right where Jesus wants us. And we want to be passionate about telling people about Jesus. But we understand just to say we should tell people about Jesus doesn't do any good. It burns out really fast. And the only way that we become passionate about sharing Jesus with people is if I have a dynamic relationship with Jesus in my life right now today and I can't keep quiet about it, i got to tell you because I want you to know Jesus like I know Jesus. But the reason we don't feel that Dynamic relationship many times is because it is so choked out by all that we have in our schedule and all that we have in our lives. And we don't talk much about our relationship sometimes because our relationship isn't much sometimes. I'd love to be more consistent with church attendance, Pastor Rick, but honestly, our lives are so full. And I would love to read the Bible because I think it's a neat book and I like it when I do, but who has the time? And I would love to pray, but we're out so late at night because we got so much money that we can involve ourselves in so much that who can get up early enough to pray? And I would love to give, and I know we're making more money, but all of it's kind of spoken for. We kind of live to the edge. And there's one thing that's more important than anything else in my life, but I'm spending all of my life on things that aren't as important. And I know that my walk with Jesus could be more, but it's not more. Because my life is so full. So I'm not preaching to you because I assume that's where many of you are. I'm preaching to you about this because this is where I struggle. And I hear God calling me to something deeper, to something greater, to something better. And I've become so influenced by my culture. But I know there's a better life, a deeper life. And I long for it in my heart. I'm about to the point I can't live with myself any longer. I want to live there. And I want you to go with me. You want to go? You ever hear that voice calling you? There's more. There's a whole lot more. You're getting this much. You could have this much. What if less really was more? What if you started eliminating things from your life and you started making room? Less is more. You can have a lot more if you're willing to have a little less. So, Kyle, are you coming up to sing before I do anything else? Is that right? Okay, come on.
Father, we're opening our hearts to you. You're speaking to us. You're trying to get our attention. You love us. You're drawing us. And we're trying our best to respond, and some days we feel like we're making a little progress, and sometimes we feel like I'm making a little more. By your grace, you're going to get us there. We're tired of believing the lies of the enemy. And we turn to the truth of your word, and we pray for grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ is my reward, all of my devotion. Now there's nothing in this world that can ever say.
stand with me? Just stand with me, please. So we haven't, for a few weeks, done something like this, so we're just going to take a little bit of extended time here. If you had to slip out, I would understand, but if you want to come this morning to pray in response to God's Word, feel free to come and do that. Um, It may be that you're wanting to become a Christ follower this morning. Jesus said to a guy named Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. He's talking about, I'm going to give you this new life. I'm going to change who you are. You're going to be born anew, afresh, born of the Spirit. And so if you want to be born again this morning, if you want to be forgiven of sin, and Jesus change your heart, you should come. You're invited to. There'll be pastors on each side of the altar here, and you can just get their attention, and they'll be glad to pray with you. If you want to be prayed for for healing, uh, you can come, and a pastor will anoint you and pray for you. Sometimes we carry heavy loads into church on Sunday morning, and if you've carried a heavy load in this morning, feel free to come. Come, invite a friend to come with you, maybe come as a family, and just kind of pour your heart out to God. Sometimes it's good to talk to Him. If you're like me, you find yourself coming to pray for your kids. Maybe you want to pray for your kids this morning, or grandkids, or a family member. Feel free. Um, Or maybe you want to just come and say, Lord, you are good to me, and I love you. So just feel a freedom to pray where you are, or come to the altar this morning and pray. We'll sing again. Just feel free to do what you feel like God's leading you to do. of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.